Hello and welcome back to the Elite Football Show. My name is Hayden and I'm your host as ever. Today we've got another player analysis show and I'm joined by the fantastic James Rowe, Dutch football expert and a really great guy. We had a great chat last time, didn't we, James, when we spoke about Donny. So I brought James back on. I think it's a good time probably to speak, isn't it, James, uh, about Donny van der Beek because we've had about two months of the season. But welcome back. How are you today? Very well, thank you. Thank you for the lovely introduction. Yeah, it's nice to be back again and nice to speak to you. And yeah, interviews are keeping me busy and also the, uh, the subject of uh, Donny van der Beek and uh, look forward to discussing it today with you. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, guys, before we start, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. As you can see with that lovely ticker across the bottom, we're nearly at 1K. So there's going to be a great giveaway when we do hit 1K. So please help us get to that great milestone and you can find us on apple Podcasts and spotify james let's just jump straight into it donny van der Beek is a name which man united fans were absolutely delighted to hear it signed when we spoke we were talking about what an intelligent player he is what a fantastic attitude he has as well he's a great mm. professional mm. what he can really offer manchester united we spoke at the time about where he could play as well so we spoke that he could play pretty much across the midfield but he probably looked better further on although he did start off I believe as a as more of a defensive midfielder but what we've seen at Man United and what I've seen I mean I've been one of those that's been frustrated because I think that there was many opportunities for Solskjaer to play him and he hasn't and it seems to me that he wants to play him in that number 10 position now he played mm. as a, in a in a double pivot in a 4-2-3-1 against Istanbul Basaksehir which was obviously a terrible result for Manchester United and he struggled there but um what are your thoughts I mean I'm not sure how much you've seen of him but uh have you been a bit disappointed in how much game time he's had because th- 74 minutes out of a possible mm. 630 that's about 12 yeah. percent that's yeah, when you, worrying. Well, when you put it like that, it just goes to show the importance of uh, selecting your club well with the transfer window. As I say, I'm in a privileged position, position where I interview professional players and managers on a regular basis. So I've seen both sides and heard both sides of the transfer coin of one transfer making a player's career and another one breaking a player's career. It's simply not the case of um, of you sign for a club and everything is rosy in the garden. There's, there's so many attributes that you need to take into account. So many things that contribute towards such a such a transfer coming together. But for me, I look, I personally, I look back at the very beginning where it appeared to be the worst kept secret in Dutch football that Van der Beek would go to Real Madrid. It appeared to be happening at a rate of knots. It, it seemed to only be a question of time. And then all of a sudden, Real Madrid don't come in. And then obviously he goes to arguably the biggest club in um, uh, in Britain, in, uh, in England, certainly. And the most important thing for particularly a young player, they have to play. There was a, um, there was a Dutch sports TV show on a couple of weeks ago, which included as panellists Marco van Basten and Ruud Gullit. And Van Basten, and I quote what Van Basten said, and, and maybe we have a bit of a, a younger generation this few years, but Marco Van Basten goes down as one of the greatest Dutch strikers of his generation. And, Legend, and, uh, le- James. Incredible but, player. But his attitude as well. When you hear him speak, it's like Dennis Bergkamp. When you hear him speak, you think, my goodness, it's, it's not just on the field antics, it's also off the field as well. And in the case of Marco Van Basten, 
And I quote what he said. I translated it from Dutch and put it on my on my on my Twitter feed as well, where he said that it's not good for such a young player to experience a lack of game time after making such a transfer. Such a an, such a, um, a scenario would make a player think twice. It really, really would. And as I say, if Van der Beek is not a diva, he's not gonna um he's not gonna kick up a stink, he's not gonna go doing strange things. He's uh he's very much a team player with a great work ethic. And um, you know, I, I expect him to be the consummate professional as as he will be, but as I say, he's he's also got leadership qualities. I spoke when I spoke to you when he signed for the club. You know, in the last two seasons, you really feel his presence on the pitch. I'm not saying you didn't see that before, but it's certainly come to the fore in the last two seasons. And I think he looks across the way at Ziyech. Ziyech at Chelsea starting to light it up now and thinking to myself, you know, I would love to be able to be in a position to do that. And, and people often malign Ziyech by saying, you know, do you not want to move when he took the traditional route of Hedefein, Twente, Ajax, turning down Sampdoria, turning down Genoa, turning down Werder Bremen and waiting for his chance. And now he's got his chance and it's, it's no surprise at all. But you say we you said about the start before we started recording about, is it a Solskjaer signing? I think it just goes to show that the different interests in professional football now are all levels. One of my recent interviews is with the CEO of Ref Support, Martin Cassidy. And this is a, a former Premier League referee who now runs a charity for referees. And you see that the game is so magnified now with the cameras, with all the different interests involved. And the archetypal man manager is being somewhat phased out. But people say that, you know, football changes, the game changes, but some things never go out of fashion. And I've spoken to many players, Haider, who have signed for a club a new manager has come in or something has happened within the club where they, they don't get what they bargained for. But they, they, this, this unfortunately happens in football. And I'm not saying that Van der Beek will want to engineer a move away in the short term. But especially for a player playing abroad away from his homeland, the most important thing is that he has to play. I mean, if you look at Davy Clarsen, for example, Davy Clarsen signed for Everton, played under Koeman, uh, Allardyce came in, and Allardyce could never recognise the um, the skills of Davy Clarsen. Davy Clarsen went to Werder Bremen, built his way built his way back up, and is now back at Ajax. I wonder if Solskjaer actually can recognise the skill set of Van der Beek. It's a completely different thing to manage Mulder and to manage Cardiff, and then to manage one of the biggest clubs in the world. You know, it's, um, they say here in the Netherlands that you've got to have. It translates in, into uh, a, a certain aura to manage a club such as Manchester United, such as Real Madrid, such as Barcelona, for example. And he doesn't have that. And you think of the, the big decisions that need to be made at board level. You know, Manchester United are not a charity. We're talking about the biggest football club in England. I mean, my, my team as well. I'm an, I've been an Arsenal fan for over 30 years. Arsenal are also not being run properly. I see after the loss to Aston Villa, I see people um, saying Arteta out when nobody wants to magnify the real problem. And that is that Arsenal have an owner where we are not his priority. And like anything in life, which somebody owns, if you don't look after it, it will start to decay. 
So, as I say, that's just my personal, somewhat controversial opinion. But I think, personally, Manchester United have got some big decisions to make sooner rather than later. James, that was that was fantastic. Look, I was about to say before you mentioned that you're an Arsenal fan, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of fans... A lot of United fans don't agree with this view that perhaps Van der Beek is not an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer signing. And I said this a month ago. This is how long ago. And I said, I have doubts because when we last spoke, we discussed the impact of Edwin van der Sar. Mm -hmm. We discussed how um, Real Madrid didn't didn't go ahead with the signing. So it's, it felt to me as well that maybe van der Beek just wanted the move. I'm not saying he didn't want to come to Man United, but we all know his preference was to go and play for one of the big, bigger Spanish sides, Real Madrid. And then you he comes into the side and you're seeing perhaps... You're seeing a, a manager that perhaps doesn't know what to do with him or where to play him, as, as you mentioned. And the reason why I'm happy you mentioned you're an Arsenal fan is because when I mention this, people say, oh, I'm creating divides, I'm creating an agenda, I'm, uh, it's only seven games. I, I, still, I still maintain that 74 minutes in 630 Premier League games, mm -hmm. doesn't matter if it's been seven games, that's, that's a concern. We're mm -hmm. going to be approaching the 10-game phase, and that's when I think you could probably have a better view. But the fact that you're an Arsenal fan, I'm happy that you mentioned that because you've basically, you're, you're looking as an outsider. You're not attached to Manchester United. And you've said, you've picked up some on some very interesting points that I do want to talk about. You talk about the manager situation. I, th I think that's a big thing. And a lot of people have said that Van der Beek signed because of his discussion with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And Solskjaer told him exactly how he's going to play him. Mm. I mean, it doesn't look evident, does it, that that's the case? It no. doesn't look like he knows where to play him. I mean, where would you be looking to play him? My concern is, as you talk about this aura, it's Man United is not a charity. You know, United have got big decisions mm. to make. And Pochettino mm. really liked Van der Beek as well when he was at Spurs. So mm. if he comes in, that's possibly something good for Van der Beek. But if you look at Manchester United's midfield, since the Spurs defeat or the thrashing, they've gone very conservative. Pogba mm. can't find a way in. That's a bit of a concern, isn't it, for Van der Beek, that himself and Pogba are both flair players, both attacking mm. players, talented players. If they can't find their way into a midfield over Fred and McTominay, who have been very good, but they are limited, mm -hmm. isn't that a concern going forward then? Absolutely. But I think it just goes to show that a lot of fans, like you said about you was accused of creating an agenda. I mean, I received a lot of abuse from fellow Arsenal fans when I gave my honest opinion. But I tried to explain to people that I deal with professional players and managers at all different levels almost every day of the week. So my perspective and what I get to hear and the questions I ask are a little bit, from, a little bit different from somebody who's never spoken to any professional at any level. And I think that um, I think a lot of people like to kind of want to be the first they want to be the first to have suggested this they want to be the first to have uh, to have mentioned that but it doesn't work like that there's at all different levels there's so many different facets to the game now in terms of player welfare like for example you have player welfare officers now years ago you never had them before it never never existed and now it's a fully fledged function within a football club um you speak about um how much say does the managers have all players regardless of level, appreciate one thing, and that's clear communication. All players appreciate that. And the, the, the clue is in the name to manage. The, the clue is in the name, you know, in terms of management. You know, and people say about, um, I've seen Nagelsmann also linked with, uh, with Manchester United. I've seen um, people talking about others. If you ask me, 
who um, who I would suggest. I don't mean to upset any Leeds fans, but I think the answer mm. is closer to home, and I would give you all, I would give you all a clue in Eric Cantona. Um, I personally believe. I don't believe that the story of Leeds United has been has reported as it should have been. I find it unbelievable how the British press don't seem to have the the courage to ask Marcelo Bielsa certain questions. Obviously, he's an Argentinian, speaks Spanish, he's, he's, you know, he's worked all around the world. But I also interview in different languages, Heide. I also interview in Spanish and Dutch. And when you are speaking to a Dutch player or a Spanish player and you ask them a question in their mother tongue, you get a lot clearer answer. I'm, I'm, I'm aware that the translator does an amazing job at Leeds United, as did the translator before him. But sometimes you've got to step it up a little bit. You're dealing with someone who was born in Rosario, an agricultural powerhouse of Argentina, who's worked managing arguably the biggest club in France in Marseille, made Bilbao into an amazing football club. If you look at Pochettino, Simeone, Guardiola, they all went to Bielsa, they're disciples of the Bielsa, yeah, aren't they? they? Yeah, they went to him to literally get the green light, but they could become managers. If you look into the greatest manager that Manchester United ever had, the greatest manager of all time in British football, you know he had a certain aura about him where he was the boss, and this is what Manchester United need now. If you look at um, Luke Ayling, when he, I mean he was also an Arsenal player, very unlucky not to make the grade. Um, Luke Ayling he said in an interview in the documentary of Leeds we've got one of the best managers in the world telling us what to do so of course we're going to do it and look Calvin Phillips was was maligned by Leeds fans Bielsa's made him into an international player just pure this is building with what you've got because I see with a lot of Arsenal fans in particular um, they only look at the price tag they don't look at the character and they don't look at the work rate I championed the likes of Ollie Watkins, James Ward-Prowse, Todd Cantwell, Mark Albrighton. I've championed these players only to be told that they're not good enough to play for Arsenal. All four are good enough to play for Arsenal. And one of them in particular showed it last Sunday. And I, I, I just yeah. think that I think a lot of fans have got, have got short memories. I'll give you an example. Today, um, I um, I put a tweet out regarding Sven Botman, who plays for Lille in France. He had a loan spell at Heerdon Vane last year, which really catapulted him up. He was on the fringes of going into the into the Ajax first team. He's also been drafted into the Dutch national team squad for for current Nations League games. Um, he was on the fringes of the Ajax team signed for Lille for €8 million, Euros, an absolute steal, because he's going to go on to be a, a fantastic player. This is a I, Luis Campos, uh, another gem, isn't it? He's a fantastic yeah. director of football. He's, and this is a thing, isn't it? That Clever. We don't scout well enough, do we, in the in the UK? No, it, well, it, I, lot, I think a lot of it is ignorance. I think a lot of it is ignorance. I really do. And um, you make a great point about a Campos as well. You know, Lille have a certain have made certain progression but I was tweeted by somebody that said oh do you think Arsenal should go in for him in, in January and my response was first and foremost leave Botman alone let him develop and focus on our own young players such as Medley McGuinness and Daniel Ballard and for example Arsenal already had 11 defenders and they go out and buy a 12th and this is what I mean about ownership ownership isn't just 
um, giving people the money. It's also being aware and protecting your investment. I don't mean in terms of it's my money, um, it's my investment. But if you are an owner and you have 11 of something and I come to you and say I need a 12th, you are well within your rights to say to me, but you've already got 11 of them. In the case of Arsenal, we already had 11 defenders excluding the academy. Why did we need a 12th? And the thing about Gabriel, Gabriel, before he signed for Lille, played for Troyes and played for Dynamo Zagreb. Doesn't make him all of a sudden good enough to play for Arsenal, does it? And this is what I mean about the the um, education of, of fans as well. I mean, as I say, I'm in a privileged position. I have been for the last four years. And what I try to do is to try to educate um, fellow fans and, and writers with every single piece that I write, whether it's a, a Jamie Carragher, Danny Cowley, Graham Potter, or whether it's a player, a Dutch player playing in a, in the Danish league or the Swedish league. You know, everyone has a story to tell, and you try to. Also, along with um, referees and, and with um, with um, agents as well, tell the stories that are not often written because it's it's not as simple as, as one, two, three. And I think uh, I think in the, ca- in the case of Bielsa, I just think I know it would upset a lot of Leeds fans, and people would say, "Oh, oh, the, pre- the pressure." Marseille are a massive club, absolutely massive. If you can manage Marseille, then I think you can hold your own. I mean, if you see with the, um, I mean, it's just my personal opinion, Marseille are arguably the biggest club in France. I'm often told by people, oh, not Paris Saint-Germain, but Paris Saint-Germain in the days of George Ware and uh, Paul again and, and Ginola, you know, I think a lot of fans have short memories. And um, Well, the money came in, James, and, and that's why they are where they are. But before that, it was Lyon and it was, Marseille hadn't won it for a long time, but Lyon were the, were, had won it for nearly six, seven years in a row. So yeah. this is the thing isn't it but James like bringing back to Van der Beek because you mentioned something about you know how Arsenal had 12 defenders they bought uh, 11 they bought a 12th one a lot of the British media is just clueless about foreign players they're ignorant there's arrogance it's something which makes me very very angry you see the way that they talk about Van der Beek why do United need Van der Beek they've got McTominay it's, it's insulting McTominay is a completely different player but it's that it's that almost um uneducated rubbish that they come out with every single time about foreign players and you've seen this a lot with van der beek and so with the within the united fan base van der beek is a very popular player a lot of Mm. fans can see the value that he can bring a lot of fans are questioning why he's not playing do you think that united made a mistake buying him though was that that's the question i want to ask do you think it's a mistake on the players part for joining and do you think it's a mistake on the club's part for forking out the money on a player when look he will play games i'm i'm sure of it but I'm getting, it's just me personally, I'm getting the impression that we don't know where to play him. And that's why I want to ask you, where can he play? Where's his best position? Well, I, I don't think it's a mistake yet, but I think Manchester United have got to work hard to make sure that they keep him. As I say, he's not a diva. He's not going he's not, he's not to leave in January. He's not going to instruct his agent to get him a move. But he is going to want to play long term. This is why players move to play as often as possible. And I think, I think his presence as a number ten in his work rate, I think that could be very good for Manchester United. In terms of Pogba, uh, it's just my personal opinion, Hyder. I think Pogba has has reached the top in becoming world champion, and I think he's kind of um, down tools a little bit. I think he's reached the pinnacle, and that's enough for him. 
okay, but it's nice to win a World Cup. Hugo Lloris also won a World Cup, so did Griezmann. But they, they pushed on in terms of their skill set and what they can do. And I just think Pogba has rested on his laurels a little bit. It's no doubt an amazing talent, an amazing talent in his football. But I just think since he's become a world champion, I just think he's rested on his laurels a little bit. And, you know, motivation is also the key because the career is very short. You know, it goes by in the blink of an eye. And I just think that in the case of Van der Beek, I, I, think, I think the best thing for Van der Beek will be that a new manager will hopefully come in and play him hopefully every game. And then he can start to kind of crack on and, and play on. But until Manchester United make such a decision, I mean, it, it doesn't help that first and foremost, a manager is still in a job. No, no, no manager likes to lose his job. But I go back to my original point, Hader, where we are talking about the biggest club in English football. We're not talking about a charity. We're talking about the biggest club in English football. My team, we haven't won the league since 2004. But if, you wouldn't know it because nobody talks about it. Nobody, they're, all too, they're all too obsessed with Aubameyang, Partey, Lacazette, Ozil. Nobody wants to tell the truth that we haven't won a title for, uh, for 16 years. And it'll be at least another five before we have a crack at it. But obviously, nobody wants to hear the truth in that respect. It's just an opinion, by the way. But I just think I think big decisions uh, need to be taken when you are at the um, a big club. I'll give you an example. Uh, one of my upcoming interviews features um, information behind the scenes about about Chelsea, about Chelsea um, with uh, Marina, one of the the transfer people on there. On their, um, on their, is this uh, Granada? Yes, yes, one of my up, she's fantastic. Yeah, one of my upcoming publications features um, features information about her from a, from an agent who's dealt with her firsthand, and she said to me that she's an absolute joy to work with. You know, yes means yes, and no means no. It's it's nothing. Is Obviously, we're, we're in the age of, um, for example, I saw Brentford today wanting to become the most inclusive club in English football. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. But we must always remember that, it, you know, in, in, equality is very important. But in football, it's very much the best people for the job and putting the best people in the best places, not just on the pitch, but also off the pitch. I just think in the case of Manchester United, they've got some big decisions to be, to be, to be making um, in the coming weeks, I believe. James, I completely agree. I, I'm I'm one of those who's uh, looking at the manager position and thinking you're not up to scratch. And you're right, United isn't a charity. And when you have sanctioned the move for someone like Van der Beek, you've got to find a way to get, get him in the side. And I agree with you. And I, I think Pochettino would be someone that comes in. But what I do want to ask you, last question, I know you, you've got, had a busy day and um, we've got to rush off. But looking at the way that Van der Beek does play. How versatile is he? Because personally, I think he he could play as an eight. He could play deeper. I think he's got... Well, well, he was fantastic against Leipzig. It's no surprise that United's best performance came mm. against Leipzig, where he mm. was fantastic. The, the biggest thing I can say to you, and a lot of United fans said the same thing, his footballing IQ is fantastic. Mm. He's very clever. His ball retention is fantastic as well. He's very good at these one touch, one touch play. He's very clever. His movement's fantastic. He's picked up a good understanding mm. with Mata, and and with Bruno to an extent when Bruno uh, when he's played with Bruno. But mm. looking at his qualities, is there a possibility that he might even play when Pochettino plays? For example, when he plays like four two three one, 
his right winger was Christian Eriksen. You remember how effective he was. Eriksen's mm. not a winger on the right, but he played almost like a free role where he was looking to get the ball into the box to Deli Ali and to Harry Kane. Could Van der Beek almost become a hybrid sort of, uh, like Mata plays? He doesn't play on the wing, but they play and they float a little bit. Is that is he got the capability to do that? Because I, I, do, I can't see how, with Pogba also there, how him, Pogba and Bruno all fit in the same side in the midfield. So mm. has he got the intelligence? Has he got the ability to do that? Because I think a lot of United fans are a little bit stumped on where he plays because as a number 10, Bruno will play as number 10. Bruno will mm. start and he's putting out the numbers. I personally think Bruno should drop back a little bit and Van der Beek should play as a 10 because Van der Beek makes better runs into the box and Bruno doesn't make enough. But is that mm. something Van der Beek could do? Because, you know, it really does worry me. I know he's still young, but like you said, these are key years after a big move. Mm. He's he's got to play, and mm. they United have got to find a way to fit him in the side. And I'm I'm getting concerned. I'll be honest with you. Mm. Well, he he has experience in playing as a number six, playing as a number eight, and also captain in Ajax. And you say about the footballing IQ, this is purely down to education. And I've spoken to many players that have come through the IX Youth Academy and they always talk about the education they received, the education they received in terms of um, in terms of respecting fellow teammates, respecting coaches, respecting opponents and being aware of your surroundings, being aware of the position you play and making sure you give 100% every time. You know, it's a, it's a wonderling, wonderful footballing philosophy that they have. But as you say, the key years after such a move, I think it should also... Also serve as a um, serve as a lesson that you know there are going to be good transfers and bad transfers, but but the key is in you know um, I often find with a lot of players when I ask them about transfers they always say and I'll bring it back to um, I'll bring it back to an interview I did with Eric Ivan Molderswinkel uh, when I asked him about his ill-fated. Um, stint at Norwich when I spoke to him in 2017. He was linked to Man United very heavily, yeah. wasn't he? For, yeah. for a number of years, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's, that's a name from the past. Yeah, well, I spoke, well, I think it's relevant in this point. I spoke to him in uh, in 2017 when he was playing for Basel and I asked him, where did it all go wrong at Norwich? And he said to me, he said, um, he said the club first and foremost really sold it to me. They told me that I would be playing up front with a fellow strike partner in a 4-4-2 formation. He said, I ended up playing 4-5-1 on my own up front at, Man at Manchester United at Old Trafford against Ferdinand and Village. He said, as a striker, I became completely isolated, completely isolated. And what was strange before that is he was on... Um, he was on absolutely amazing form at Sporting uh, Sporting Lisbon. I remember I remember being on holiday in Lisbon for a city break and reading the sports pages or just trying to make sense of it. And he was on the front pages of Bola and the sports pages in in Lisbon because he was so popular. And the, the he was banging in the goals, James. Well, he was, he was fantastic, his Lisbon. His attitude was just um, amazing. You know, there's, there's a um, there's a there was a Dutch football program called Levenalsenprof, which which translates to life as a pro, where the host would go with footballers kind of on their daily business, and he went to Lisbon to see um, to see the Kivan Mollerswinkel, a guy called Harry from Aachen, and he said um, 
he said, Ricky, uh, what are we going to do today in Lisbon? He said, oh, we're going to buy my girlfriend. We're going to buy her a present because she's just passed her exams. And it was just like the cameraman. They were going into a shop and they were chatting about football and all these different things. And it was an amazing show, a really, really good show. And, um, you know, then you really got to see the um, the the other side of Ricky van Rolleswinkel. And, and when I spoke to him, he was just so so friendly you know his um his father-in-law is actually johan neskins obviously the second johan here in the netherlands as he's called with his own um career at barcelona as well and uh yeah van rolleswinkel is just a, a very good player really found his feet at Basel. but i just thought it was apparent to let let listeners know that you know this is a player who when i asked him where it went wrong and he was telling me what he was told by the club and what he was told by the manager and then how quick things can change by the same token van der Beek could have could have found himself in the same boat so uh it's it's strange times really and and people also have to remember that it's not there's not a good pot of gold at, at the end of every transfer um rainbow so to speak i see people already tweeting about january and i think to myself we are in november you know we're talking about livelihoods here you know we're in the middle of a pandemic where people are struggling countries are struggling it's irresponsible to go out and spend millions of pounds on players when you already have cover in certain positions so it'll be very very interesting to see what happens going forward yeah it's a fantastic point isn't it it's been sold sold those sold a dream essentially isn't it and um and clubs don't always hold up their end of uh, their end of the bargain what what bothers me is that and like I said, it's been seven Premier League games. You could find after this international break that Van der Beek's playing a lot more, uh, and then we won't be having this discussion. We'll be next time you're on here, we'll be talking about how good Donny's been. But it's more to do with the fact that openly Oli has said in the public, Oh, I, I know exactly where I want to play him, I told him where I'd play him, uh, exactly how he's going to fit in, and we haven't seen that. So, so that, that's for me, that's something that bothers me because I think you know, honesty is important. And I also think don't mm. say that in public, then don't say it if you don't, you know. If you don't follow through with it, I think that's important. Being transparent is important. Uh, what I will Absolutely. say about Solskjaer, yeah, and what I will say about Solskjaer is he's someone who I've always thought is an excellent man manager. I, I really have, mm -hmm. but I think that where he lacks in his, um, I suppose, tactical acumen as a manager, he's not on that level of an elite manager, but he does make up with it being a good man manager. This season, that's slightly not been the case. So I think it's a bit of a concern, but if I had to say to you, um, is Donny van der Beek going to be a success at Manchester United? I know it's difficult to say, but in your honest opinion, from what you've seen so far, do you think he will be a success at Man United? And Because the fans really do love him. Yeah, um, I, think, I think that eventually things will get going for him at Manchester United. Eventually, sooner rather than later. I think we'll, we'll see whether there'll be a change of manager, he, he's not the type to down tools. He's not the type to go off in a strop. He will remain um, completely focused on the job in hand. But I think something will happen somewhere along the line. I'll give an example of um, uh, Alexander Butner, who used to play for Manchester United. He now plays for New England Revolution. I, I spoke to him um, back in the summer. And um, he used to play for Fitessa. And did you know he used to be a central midfielder? And he was playing really well as a central midfielder. And then the um, John van der Brom, who has recently signed for Genk and left as FC Utrecht, also managed Arsene Alkmaar. One of the early jobs that uh, John van der Brom had was manager of Vitesse. And he came in and he put Alexander Butner as a left back. And it, by his own admission, Alexander Butner said, my career just, just completely um, 
took off and he said, you know, to, to go on to win the Premier League with Manchester United. He also plays for Dynamo Moscow. He also spoke about the aura because it was, it was interesting to, to speak to a Dutch player in his mother's tongue about Alex Ferguson. Because obviously British players know a lot about him, but it was nice to hear from a, a Dutch point of view in Dutch about Alex Ferguson. It was nice to, to put that forward. So as I say, these little nuances about information, you know, this is what this is what you're dealing with. And it is quite funny when obviously I use Twitter for my football interviews, but my perspective is completely different to um to others. And, and when I try to present people with facts, they'll say, Oh no, um James, no, what you what you will find, uh, I'm starting to notice this as well. Well, because you know on the podcast we delve in a different way we take we, my whole thing is to take the emotion out of it take the, the reactionary bit out of it take the click bit out of it and actually look at things as how they are and look at the facts because often the problem with football fans it's all on emotion you just have to look at the way that fans mm. everything clickbait the way that these big accounts go in at arsenal and then the same arsenal big accounts going at united and they just it's all one upmanship it's rubbish and when you actually come in with a with a proper opinion it doesn't it doesn't mm. get the views it should it doesn't get the 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 clout it should because people don't want to hear it because the truth usually is 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 something that hurts in your case right your club i saw your tweet you beat us if it wasn't for the penalty mm. you wouldn't have beaten us you went and got smashed mm. by villa and you said this is why you shouldn't get too high as a united mm. fan as well i turn around and say Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in my opinion mm. is unlikely to deliver a title to Manchester United that's just facts it's not me being mm. negative but another manager mm. like Pochettino perhaps could a better manager, and then in, in tandem with that, a player like Van der Beek will also you'll see what he can give. So all these things, mm. it's not me being negative, me being biased. Mm. It's just me see, saying it how it is, really. Mm. Hey, well, you're also entitled to your opinion, and I put out a tweet after Arsenal's defeat to Aston Villa, and I said, "Look, one thing is clear: Aston Villa have learnt from their mistakes." They've invested well and they have grown as a team. And um, Arsenal, on the other hand, not so much. And, you know, the most important thing is a club as well. It's also to learn from your mistakes. I mean, Ollie Watkins, for example. I mean, I was told from, I think, um, I was told from a fair few players, even when he was at Exeter, you knew how good he was. And this, you know, Exeter are not the biggest club in the world, but you see how, how he's grown. It's the same with um, Ward Prowse. I was told Ward Prowse is not good enough to play for Arsenal. Of course he's good enough to play for Arsenal. But unfortunately, there's a generation who will only look at... Um, who only look at the, the price tag. And unfortunately, with my own club... Um, it's happening far too much. I mean, I, I, for example, the McGuinness, Daniel Ballard, Zach Medley. What must they be thinking now? You know, playing for Gillingham, Blackpool and Ipswich, you know, when they're all good enough to play for Arsenal. And Saliba, for example, Saliba signed, Saliba doesn't play. And, you know, this is, um, you know, we're in a situation where clubs have got to make decisions that maybe not are not very popular. But in this day and age, if you have the strength of character to make such decisions, it's the it's the most important thing. And I, I think that we're talking about two of the biggest clubs in English football. I mean, the, the day that Arsenal won that game, considering the the games we had in the past, you know, I remember the very first one that came to my mind with the was the brawl of Old Trafford back in, um, yeah, you know, with Anders Limpar and Brian McClare, going back a long, long time. 
and the game where we won at Old Trafford kind of like paled in, into significance a little bit. We're talking about two of the three, two of the three biggest clubs in English football, and you know when and two you, when has been got, James. yeah, yeah, two clubs, well, two are nothing are not anymore. Being, you would have not been run properly. That's the thing. They're not being run properly. Both are not being run properly. But the the hope going forward is that hopefully, eventually, they will be. Um, be going, uh, be, be being run properly, you know, and, and it's about making good decisions and positive decisions. And I think to have two rookie managers at two of the three, uh, at two of the three biggest clubs in English football, I think it's a, it's a sad indictment of what English football is at this precise moment in time. I mean, I, Chris Wilder, for example, people are, are literally counting the days until Chris Wilder loses his job. Yeah. I, I, certainly, I certainly hope he, he will not lose his job. I've heard firsthand from players who have played under him what an, an amazing man-manager he is. These are the things that people don't get to hear. You know, I, I think about Ian Morris when he broke it, when he dislocated his kneecap at Northampton. And Chris Wilder said to him, that's the worst injury I've ever seen. And Ian Morris was stricken. He feared for his livelihood. And, and Chris Wilder said to him, we're going to, bearing in mind, we're talking about Northampton. Chris Wilder reassured him and said, we're going to get you the best treatment. You're going to come back and you're going to play a big part in our promotion push. And when Ian Morris made his um, first steps on the training ground, he got a rousing um, applause from his teammates. Chris Wilder gave a speech and he said, you see, we told him what would happen. We're all there for him. We're, we're all there for him. We're all together. And these are the things that people don't hear. You know, we're, talk, we're not just, it's not just simply about picking 11 players. It's its the art of man management and looking after players. And it's something which is somewhat underreported in this day and age. James, completely agree. I, find, I always find it fascinating sitting down with you because, you know, you get an insight into the other side, which the fans don't see. Um, you know, what I will say, though, is that I think United have got an absolute gem of a player on their hands in Van der Beek. I think that he deserves game time and he, and he's scoring when he goes on international break and he's, you know, 74 minutes out of 630. I don't know. Don't care how you dress it up. That's unacceptable. You know, you're seeing, like you said, Ziyech is looking, he looked fantastic against Sheffield United, starting to get into the groove with things. So we hope the same for Donny, but James, where can the listeners find your fantastic work? I know you've just done a really exciting project, which you want to share. So fire away on where they can find that uh, really excellent interview that you've just done. Well, first and foremost, they can follow me on at James Rowe NL to keep up to date with all my interviews with professional players and managers. Upcoming interviews include the likes of Craig Brown, who managed Scotland, Tony Cotter, who used to play for West Ham, and also Ian Taylor, who used to play for Aston Villa, among others, a few surprises too. And also my latest interview that was released today was uh, with David Bates, who signed for Hamburg and is currently on loan in Belgium at Circle Burgha. And we touch on the transfer, making a transfer to such a big club at such a young age and what happens to a player, also learning a different language when going to live in a different country. So it's nice to add the human element. But uh, yeah, you can find my work on uh, at James Rowe and L and also Football CFB, among other platforms. And uh, you can always Google me from time to time. There's, a, there's an interview for everyone in that respect. Fantastic stuff. James, thank you so much for joining me and giving me a really fantastic insight into Donny van der Beek. It's always a pleasure. You're more than welcome and I look forward to next time.
absolutely and hopefully next time we'll be talking about donny it'll be because he's absolutely tearing up the premier league and to all the fantastic listeners please hit the like button hit the subscribe button give james a follow i follow him and he's he's always very insightful he's doing some fantastic work and we will see you next time bye bye <laughs>